Well, hey, we are working through a series called Foundational Truths, and we are in part four uh, of our series about growing up in the faith, maturing in the faith. And it's one of the things that's vitally important to be uh, growing in the faith because, uh, you know, Christianity, walking with God is one of the most exciting things you can do in life. It's incredible, amazing, wonderful. It's intellectually stimulating. It's just amazing the things that God opens up to us. But there's a lot of people who are bored with their faith, who just don't see the relevance and significance of, say, even reading the Bible. And the reality is, if we don't mature and grow and grab hold of new things in the faith, we will get kind of stagnant and tired, and it will seem like just a chore. And the problem that I think we can run into in the United States and Western Christianity is just complacency. And if we can get these foundational truths down, then we can step into new things. And it's exciting and fun and productive for the kingdom of God. So we've been going through this series uh, about maturing in the faith, going through Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And basically what I want to do in our our, uh, uh, recap time here is to think to yourself, what if I had these foundational truths completely down? What would my life be like? So here in Hebrews chapter 6, it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ. Now, again, doesn't mean forget the elementary teachings. It means have them down so we can go into the next things. Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ not and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of Repentance from acts that lead to death. What if you, you know, repentance here in the New Testament, the Greek word is, is meta-consider. So it's to rise above your life, look at the direction of your life, and realize that you just need to just choose to go completely with God, to reevaluate and say, well, I'm not going to do these selfish things. I'm not going to do these foolish things that hurt people. I'm going to just walk with God. That meta-repentance, and to no longer have that battle of, am I going to do God's will or not? What if you fully were committed to just God's will in your life? That would be having repentance from acts that lead to death down, and of faith in God. What if, what if you never questioned whether or not God would come through? What if you never questioned whether or not God's way was the right way? What if you fully trusted and were completely sure that in the end, God wins and we win when we're with him? You just had that down. Number, uh, the third one, Hebrews 6, 2, instruction about baptisms. We talked about that last week. The various different thresholds that we cross through our Christian walk, water baptism. It was John's baptism, baptism of repentance. Now Jesus' baptism, similar concept, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and a, you know, a public declaration of a decision to walk with God. That water baptism, we talked about various other baptisms. You see it's plural there. Water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit baptizing us into the body of Christ. We talked about all those uh, last week. Very important things. I know for me, if I hadn't walked through those different uh, baptisms, I wouldn't be here today. Very, very clear. I mean, if I hadn't, uh, if I hadn't submitted to water baptism, I wouldn't be here. 
If I hadn't received Holy Spirit baptism, I would have a, a bad attitude and a bad attitude. I don't think the wife is in here. Um, anyway, I would have been completely unfit for ministry. I felt called to the ministry before receiving that heart transplant from God, but I was completely ill-equipped because my heart was just not God's heart. It just was completely different. I uh, had my all my various problems of, of hating people and uh, all that stuff. You know, it was just in there. So I needed to be immersed in the Spirit of God and have that junk just washed out. And, of course, that's a daily process as well. It isn't something that you just finish and you, you move on with your life. It's something that there's daily renewal. But the, the reality is I was unfit for ministry until that heart change occurred. And then after that heart change, uh, Paul in, in, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the Holy Spirit baptizing us into the body by the, the Holy Spirit brings us into the group. We belong to the group. Now, belonging is great, but with belonging comes responsibility. You know, like, uh, my heart belongs to my body, but it also has a very important responsibility. If it decides to take off and go somewhere else, the whole rest of the body is going to die. It's a bad thing, and, and we need to understand that we're part of a body, and if we don't do our part, it damages the rest of the body. And uh, the Holy Spirit gives us giftings and abilities that we can serve inside the church uh, one of the things I talked about last night is, uh, <clears throat> you know, when I was growing up, I was not good at reading. It wasn't something I was, I was capable of. When I was in third grade, uh, I was good at faking it, though. You know, you get good at faking stuff. I was a skilled faker. You know, I could read cues. I remember one time in fifth grade, I was in the special room during reading. I didn't get mainstream till sixth grade. But in fifth grade, I was, you know, because you look at the teacher and you say the first part of the word that's the answer. And then they either go or they go. And then they do that smile and you yeah, that's it. You don't have to change it. You can just say the rest of the word and get it right. She gave me the smile. I said the rest of the word. And she's like, nope. I'm like, What? You gave me the cue. I was supposed to be right. Like, ah. So anyway, I didn't learn stuff. I just learned to read people. Uh, and in third grade, <clears throat> my teacher found out that I couldn't, I couldn't write my name. And so I had to stay in from recess and write my name a hundred times. And the, the reality is no one would have expected that I would, as a, as a job, Read publicly in front of people. You know what I mean? Like that's not something people would have expected of a person like me. So I understand the Holy Spirit's ability to give gifts. And in our weakness, God is shown strong. This isn't something, I mean, I, psychologically, I wouldn't be able to read in front of people, let alone actually have the capacity to do it effectively. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit empowers us to serve God in a variety of different ways and I'm just thankful that God has given me that capacity at this point and uh, able to be able to, in front of people, read and talk about the Holy Word of God. It's a fantastic thing. And so <clears throat> those are the three we've already covered. Uh, we will cover then the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so.
So these are those foundational truths. Do these seem like really simple, easy things? Like if you were to list, today we talk about the laying on of hands. If you were to list, what are, say, the top six foundational truths of Christianity, the things that we need to get down. How many people, if you were just given a blank list, you know, put your top 10 down, how many would have the laying on of hands on the list? Isn't isn't it interesting that it made the list in Hebrews chapter 6? It's amazing stuff. So these are things that in our culture maybe aren't dealt with all that often, but are important to the Lord because they're in the scriptures. So let's pray. We'll get into new material, talk about the laying on of hands here this morning. So Heavenly Father, (coughs) excuse me, thank you for your holy word. Thank you, Father, that we can look into your word, we can read your word, and we can uh, find out your plan and your heart and the things that are important to you. We can find guidance for our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us here to just wander around and figure it out, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Father, help us to see what you got for us today. I know, Lord, you want to do something in our hearts, each one of us. And so, Father, I pray that you would make your word living and active, that you would spark something good in each of our hearts so that we could grab something good from you. So bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are going to talk about the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands, one of these foundational truths, not a side weird thing, but a core foundational truth from God. So basically, this laying on of hands is the concept of impartation. It's the giving or transferring of something that is from God from one person to another by means of physical touch. Impartation. Now, uh, impartation can, can take place from somebody who is more advanced in the faith to someone else. It can happen between peers, you know, people that are at the same level. Uh, there's a variety of different things. And impartation can also happen through spoken word, through reading the word, through various other means. You know, we have an influence and impact on each other. There's these various things that can be imparted. Uh, but we're basically talking about the laying on of hands, so impartation of things through physical touch. We'll mostly talk about that, but talk about some other things as well. And this is an Old Testament thing. Baptism is primarily a New Testament thing. We see uh, the laying on of hands in the Old Testament pretty regularly. And I thought it would be fun to uh, read the story of the scapegoat from Leviticus chapter 16. Do you know the scapegoat is a biblical thing? It's right there in the Bible, and uh, it's really an interesting deal. So let's read in Leviticus chapter 16 about the scapegoat. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offerings. So Aaron, the the priest, brother of uh, Moses, and they have all these different things. Now we have the sacrifice of Christ once for all. We don't have to do all these different things. But in the Old Testament times, there are all these different sacrifices. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. 
But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. And now we jump to verse 20. Leviticus 16, 20. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. So this was an impartation. The high priest places both his hands on the head of this goat and confesses all the sins of the nation of Israel, putting those sins on the goat. And then they take the goat out into the wilderness and let it go. That's the scapegoat. So you see how it fits into our culture, you know, like, Oh, everybody's done all these problems, but we're just going to blame that person. The scapegoat. Similar, uh, you know, that's, that's where this came from, from Leviticus. And we see that Jesus functioned in this way as well. He took all the sins of the world upon himself. And so he was our Passover lamb, amen, that uh, his blood allows the destroying angel to pass over us and we are not judged for our sins But Jesus also took the sins of the world upon himself, functioned as the scapegoat. And so he received all of that. And, you know, that was quite the experience, I'm sure. But that's an impartation of the sins of the nation of Israel by the high priest to the scapegoat. That's kind of a negative example. Right? Doesn't that feel kind of a little yucky? Well, here's the deal. Impartation goes both ways. We're going to mostly talk about positive impartation where something good is given to people, something good from God is given from one person to another. But there's also spiritual bad touch. You know what I mean? There's negative experiences that people have uh, where they go into a religious environment and something bad happens. And so you want to be careful who you associate with because the, the wrong people will affect you in bad ways. Let's look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. It's an amazing uh, verse in you know, chapter 23 of Matthew, which is the woes chapter. Here Jesus is chewing out the Pharisees very vocally in front of large crowds of people. And one of the things that Jesus says uh, is this, Matthew 23, 15. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. So you wonder why they wanted to crucify him. You know, he's saying things like this to him, but basically what Jesus is saying is, you you do all this work to win a convert, but then you do them spiritual harm. You don't even help them. You make them worse than they were before. Like, that's a disaster. And uh, the reality is, is there are spiritual environments, there are uh, religious environments, maybe I should say, where, where negative things are passed on from person to person. And so you want to be 
uh, wise in your dealings with people. But let me say, if, if you have experienced spiritual bad touch, if you have had bad things imparted on you, say like just shame, and you're just, now you're just ashamed. You've had shame put on you. Uh, there's all these different things that people can catch in the air in certain uh, bad religious environments. Let me say, you know, I'm sorry for that, but be free. That does not define you. That does not belong to you. You can be completely free from that. So, so be free from that wrong impartation. And let's look at some examples of good impartation. Good impartation from the New Testament. Uh, one of the things that can be imparted from one person to another is a blessing. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Starting in verse 13, Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. Why were people bringing children to Jesus? To have him touch them. Why, why would that be? I mean, he's not, he's not teaching them anything. They don't need a miracle. You know, they're not sick. They don't have a demon. They're just there and they let's have jesus touch my kid you know why is that let's keep reading now of course the disciples didn't like that uh the disciples got mad at the people and then jesus responds to the disciples when jesus saw this he was indignant he said to them let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of god belongs to such as these i tell you the truth anyone who does not receive the kingdom of god like a little child will never enter it And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. So here we see Jesus taking little children. This would, the word in the Greek, from what I understand, means uh, from infant to about two years old, kind of that age group. And he, uh, he put his hands on them and blessed them. This is like what we do with a baby dedication. You know, the baby doesn't need healing or deliverance or, uh, you know, anything like that. Just, just a blessing from God. So we just pray a blessing. And that's what Jesus did here. He placed his hands on the little child and he imparted a blessing. He gave a blessing. So that's something that can happen through this laying on of hands, this impartation of a blessing. And of course, there's many things, and we're only going to be able to talk about a few, but it's very important, this idea of uh, it's not just a bunch of separate individuals. We're all people who have an effect and impact on each other, and we need, to, we need to bring something positive to give to other people. Another thing that can happen in this laying on of hands is a commissioning. A commissioning. People can lay hands on someone to send them off to do a particular work for the Lord. So this commissioning. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. Read verses 1 through 3. So, at the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius from Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, this This is just too short. I want this to be a little bit longer. 
The Holy Spirit said to them, put verse 2 back up there, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. What, what was that like? I mean, did they all hear a voice from heaven? Or did they all just kind of know all of a sudden, wow, it's Barnabas and Saul. They're the ones who are supposed to go on missionary journeys. Uh, how, what, what was that like? I want more information about that. You know, how exactly did they experience that? How did they all all of a sudden know that Barnabas and Saul uh, needed to be set apart? How did they know that? But it's not said. All of a sudden they knew there was a, a spark in their heart or somehow there was just this consensus or maybe there was a voice from heaven. I don't know. But they knew to do that. And in order to then commission them, to be set apart for that work, they laid their hands on them. And this is a, this is a peer laying on of hands. It isn't that, the, you know, the, the, that Jesus is laying his hands on a baby. It's that these are you know, teachers and prophets and they're all on the same plane. And they realize, wow, Barnabas and Saul have a special call in their life. So they put their hands on them. And, and send them off. It's a commissioning. It's a, a thing of imparting authority. You have been chosen to do this. Put your hands on, you know, on them and then send them out. It's a, an impartation of authority or calling on a particular plan. Now, who initiated that calling, that plan for Barnabas and Saul? Who initiated that? It was God. You know, through the Holy Spirit, they didn't get to pick, oh, let's put our hands on these two people. You know, uh, it's a matter of hearing the voice of God and then submitting to God's plan and then agreeing with it, with the, the laying on of hands. And then uh, another interesting thing about this commissioning type laying on of hands, we see in 1 Timothy 5.22, so here, for, you know, Timothy, the first and second Timothy written by Saul, who is the apostle Paul, whose hands were placed, you know, the, the group placed their hands on Barnabas and Saul. Uh, he then writes all these epistles and uh, is used by God to, to basically create scripture, an amazing thing. So Saul, this apostle Paul says to Timothy in how to manage the affairs of the church, uh, here he says, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. He's saying here, don't go too fast in imparting authority and position on people. Don't go too fast with that. There's a, a process people need to learn and grow and don't give them that authority too soon. Now this is uh, something that as I've learned and grown, it's something that I see as very important. You know, what if I had become a pastor when I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, how old would I have been? Let's just say 25. A 25-year-old, angry, you know, Christian. How good of a pastor would I have been? It was tough when I first started anyway. You know, I was, I was you know, you might think that, oh, I don't even know what to say here. The biggest struggle I have in pastoring is the social part. You know, it's the let's hang out and be friends thing. I'm just not very good at that. And I've gotten a lot better. You know, I've gotten a lot better. When I was first pastoring, 
My basic mentality was, you guys are Christians? All right, then let's go to war. You know, quit your whining. Quit your like, I need this. Just shut up and let's get to work and reach the world. All right? Quit your complaining. And that was really my basic mentality was, if we're the believers, we're in a war. Let's get to it. Let's go to battle. Let's go take the land for the Lord. And it wasn't like, oh, let's hug each other and let's care. Oh, I'm just so concerned about, who cares? You know, people are going to hell. Let's get to work. You know, it wasn't something that I was, and and that was after (laughs) my heart change. Imagine what I would have been like before. You know, it would have been terrible. And so do not be hasty in the laying on of hands means that Mike guy, someday he'll be ready to be a pastor, but he just isn't now. So don't put him in that position, all right? You know, and so we have to wait. We have to grow. We have to get to that place. And then we can go forward in the kingdom of God. So do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Let people grow and develop before you give them a position then they'll be successful instead of failing. Um, then we see the laying on of hands with regards to the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. So Samaria, those are the half-breeds. You know, They're kind of like half-Jewish. They have a distorted view of Judaism. They're the people that the Jewish people uh, nation really dislikes the most. And so it's the biggest challenge in the blending of the Jews and Gentiles is the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, and so all of a sudden there's revival happening in Samaria because of the, the dispersion of people after the persecution began. So the, uh, the disciples in Jerusalem go spread out and some of them go to Samaria and All of a sudden, there's revival happening in Samaria. So Peter and John have to go check it out, see how it's going. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were believers. Revival was happening People were giving their lives to God. They'd been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And so um, John and Peter placed their hands on people to uh, give them the Holy Spirit. So we see then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So there was an impartation of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing thing. Now, Peter and John, of course, pillars of the church. These are apostles. They're people who were there with Jesus through his whole ministry. They were, uh, they, they experienced everything and they were at a very high spiritual level of development to the point where they could go somewhere to a bunch of strangers and just impart the Holy Spirit on them and people would just receive it. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Is it okay to say, go to a conference somewhere where someone with a particular gifting is able to minister in a particular way, and then you can receive something good? Is that, is that okay? Absolutely. I went to an impartation service one time. There was a pastor 
who, who I uh, greatly value and I, I think is really, really a great guy and a good minister of the word. And he was doing an impartation service. So he'd pray for people and, and impart things on them. And uh, this guy can call 10,000 people by name instantaneously. 10,000 people. Now, I'm lucky if I get my kids' names right. You know, I mean, it, so I'm thinking, man, that would be a great skill to have as a pastor. Like, wow, that would be so good. Uh, and uh, so, so I had him pray for me, and I think I'm doing better. I get more names right now than I used to, but, uh, you know, I'm not quite to the 10,000. I probably have 200 or something. But, uh, but anyway, trying to get better with that. And it's okay to go to conferences and try to receive something good from God because there are people who have ministry gifts that are, are uh, really developed in that particular area. And that's how uh, uh, Peter and John were ministering here in Samaria, placing hands on people, and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. Let's skip to 2 Timothy uh, 1.6 here. 2 Timothy 1.6. So we see the laying on of hands with an impartation of the Holy Spirit, and then also the impartation of spiritual gifts. 2 Timothy 1.6. This is the Apostle Paul writing again to Timothy, And this is one of the things he says in the second book to Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So the apostle Paul has placed his hands on Timothy and imparted spiritual gifts to Timothy. Now, something that's important again to to note here is that the apostle Paul doesn't get to pick what spiritual gifts people have. It's sort of like when Barnabas and then the Apostle Paul were in that prayer meeting, and then it was like set aside for me, uh, Barnabas and Saul. So Saul and Paul are the same person for the the work I've called them to. That group didn't get to pick. And here, Paul is hearing from God what Timothy's spiritual gifts are. And so he's laying hands on Timothy and calling up in him God's plan. Paul doesn't get to pick what it is. He has to submit to God's plan, but he can call that up in Timothy. So he places his hands on Timothy, this impartation of spiritual gifts according to God's plan. And now, did it just magically happen because the apostle Paul placed his hands on Timothy Did it just all of a sudden everything worked great from then on? No, he says, fan into flame. He's saying, it's not working, is it? Let's get this going. You know, let's kick this to the next level. Fan into flame the gift of God. So even someone like Timothy, who's had the apostle Paul place his hands on him, needs to do work himself to fan into flame the gift of God. So we see uh, this laying on of hands, imparting blessings, imparting a commission or an authority to do a particular task, uh, imparting the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. Um, Healing is a big one, uh, an impartation of healing by the laying on of hands. So let's look at Mark chapter 6. Some of these I like to uh, read examples where you can learn a second lesson as well. So that'll be what we do here in Mark chapter 6. So I'm sure 
uh, you know, there's many, 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 many accounts of people laying hands on the sick and God's healing power then flowing through those people and them being healed. Mark 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these teachings, they asked? Wasn't, wasn't this wisdom, I'm sorry, what's this wisdom that has been given to him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So this is Jesus' home church. He's a carpenter. He's in the union. He's just one of us. You know, what, is, what does he think he is? You know, oh, you're the Messiah now? You know, like, what? And they took offense. Verse 4. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So, he, could, he couldn't do any miracles, but he could lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Why couldn't he do miracles? Because no one showed up for the miracle service. That's why. It wasn't that the power wasn't there. It said everybody laughed at him and left. He was too familiar in that environment. Oh, yeah, some special thing. You're not special. And they just walked away. But a few people were desperate enough, they were sick enough, where they're like, yeah, you can pray for me. And I think everyone that God prayed for was healed. But hardly anybody showed up. Hardly anybody came. And it was too familiar. So we see the laying on of hands imparting God's healing power. And we also see familiarity creating a disengaging from the power of God. And that's something we should guard our hearts against. How many people have ever been to church before? You ever been to church before? All right. You kind of know the drill. You show up, grab a bulletin, sing for a while. There's an offering. Guy's going to talk. He'll probably say something about the Bible. You know, you've been here before. You know how this works. And we get used to it. And we can miss then the power of God to change our lives just because of familiarity. Let's not miss that because we can receive something good from God every time. One of the main reasons we come to church is just to be in that environment where the power of God is. I've gone to church and just like somebody will be preaching And God will just be giving me sermons. You know what I mean? They'll just be coming. It's got nothing to do with what the guy is saying, but just God is doing something. And hallelujah, just being in that environment allows God to be able to to impart things to us, to be able to to do things in our hearts. And we just want to be in that environment and receive good things. One more healing scripture that I want to read before we close is Jesus and the leper from Matthew 8, verses 1 through 3. This is an amazing situation. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. So he's in the presence of large crowds. 
a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, this leper is breaking some rules. In these days, if you had leprosy or some skin disease, you had to stay within earshot of people. If you saw another human being, you had to yell unclean as loud as you could. And then people would know not to come near you. And this person fights through the crowds and gets in front of Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He's breaking rules. Verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Jesus now is breaking rules. You don't touch lepers. The Jewish rules were very clear on what you can touch and what you can't touch. And you certainly can't touch someone with leprosy. It makes you unclean. Jesus, however, reaches out his hand and touches the man. This would have been an amazing sight in those days. A rabbi touching a man with leprosy. He says, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. Jesus didn't get sick. Jesus didn't have uncleanness imparted to him. The holiness of Jesus was imparted on the leper. The cleanness of Jesus was imparted on the leper, and he was healed immediately. And he was set free. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close here in just a minute. Of course, Jesus would not be infected, right? Of course, when Jesus touched the leper, the leper would be cleansed. I want to tell you something, and I want you to to really pay attention to this right now. Jesus still touches people today. Jesus still touches people. Jesus still imparts things on people. We're going to have prayer time here in the front in a little bit. The reason we call people up for prayer is this laying on of hands thing. We, we touch people and pray. Now we have rules. We train people, touch shoulders, touch hands. That's what's going to happen in the front. If you're worried about, uh, you know, like, what are they going to do? Okay, they've been instructed. Hands and shoulders, that's as far as we're going to go with that. Uh, God is well able to deal with all those things. Let's not get legalistic with all these little details, but here's the deal. Open yourself up to God. Come up and pray. Especially if you have never come up and had time in prayer in the front, I encourage you to come up and pray. Even if there's nothing wrong, they can just pray a blessing over you. They can just put a hand on a shoulder and just pray for God to to bless you. Not everything that's imparted, though, is imparted by physical touch. Things, again, are imparted with words, various ways. Let's look at something Jesus imparted with his words in John chapter 14, verse 27. This will be our closing scripture. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he imparts his peace on them. What would it be like to live your life on this earth with the peace of the Christ in you? To have that imparted on you? What would that be like? Where your heart is not troubled and you're not afraid. Where you're at peace. What a place to be. Let's ask God to impart his peace on us. And then I'll invite people up to the front to receive personal prayer. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you that you impart things upon us. That you pour out your spirit. That you pour out a healing touch. Lord, that you do all these things. You give us gifts and abilities, ways to serve. And Lord Jesus, as you imparted your peace on your disciples so long ago, Lord, impart your peace upon us right now. Lord, let our troubles in our hearts just melt away as your peace comes upon us. Lord, let our fears and anxieties just shrink into nothing as your peace covers us. Lord, we thank you that you do not give as the world gives. You do not give a mirage. You do not give something that's going to fade. You do not give something that's going to be taken back. But Lord, you give and we receive and it is good. We receive your peace. Let us walk in it day by day. And Father, I pray a blessing over each one that's in this place. Again, let your peace be upon us. Let your joy fill our hearts. And Lord, let us know your love so fully and so completely that we are filled up and able to love those in our lives that are hard to deal with. Lord, give us that. In Jesus' name, amen.